Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. I am really honored to welcome Ellie Oldenburg as my guest. Today's podcast episode will be about what flexible working models have to do with the future of work. Ellie is a future of work expert, sitepreneur and manager at Google. She is a proud Gen Y with an extensive multicultural background, a mother, and has been working in marketing and sales for 16 plus years in various global corporations. For the past nine plus years, Ellie has been a manager at Google, most recently in the EMEA Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Department. She has been working part-time in the past four plus years, mainly as a job sharer. As a sitepreneur, she's the founder and host of thought-provoking salons, a coach, writer, and speaker. I really appreciate this quote from Ellie's website, ellieoldenburg.de. With this non-linear life of mine, I've been increasingly invited to talk about on the future of work publicly in which I have been encouraging people to explore new work paradigms, to challenge our structural status quo, and to demystify new work beyond the tools and the buzzwords. I believe we, especially as corporate peeps, need to raise braver demands, not only towards ourselves, but also towards our employers and politicians regarding the way we work, we economize, we incentivize to finally address the structural changes required for a more just, a more sustainable and a digitally future-proof tomorrow for everyone. Welcome to the show, Ellie. Hi, Karen. Thank you for inviting me. It's really nice to have you. We have a lot of people from all over the world listening to us. Could you tell them where you're calling in from and if there's a particular food or site that they should be eating or looking at when they visit your area? <laughs> well, I'm, uh, you, we are having this conversation from my living room in Hamburg, Germany. Um, this is where I'm based for the past uh, years. I'm half Greek, half German, and I was raised in the south of Germany, but now I'm very happy for the past years in the north of Germany, in Hamburg. Um, a, a local dish. Um, well, I have been eating vegan for almost eight years, so uh, <laughs> I'm not so much into the local fish, especially fish. People love fish up here because we're close to the Northern Sea and the Baltic Sea. Um, well, but I, I think I'd better go to sites. Obviously, we have the big, big Elb Philharmonie here, uh, which was built, um, uh, I think, uh, 20 times more expensive than it was planned. But nobody cares about it anymore because it's now there and it is indeed very beautiful a very beautiful philharmonic um 
opera and concert hall and yeah so this is probably the most and the whole area around the harbor which is also i think since three or four years it's a world heritage site an official one so it's yeah hamburg has a lot to offer well thank you i've i've been a couple of times to hamburg and it's it's really beautiful and it's just a stone throw away from Berlin, which is also because so many, especially um, in Northern Americans, it's like Germany is either a pretzel, sternels, beer or Berlin. And so it's really <laughs> one and a half hours to Berlin. So um, some people even commute on an everyday basis pre-corona, of course. So Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, Ellie, you've worked as a manager at Google for many years, and you've mm -hmm. recently become a manager as part of the EMEA diversity, equity, and inclusion team. Mm -hmm. Now, I, in my research, I saw you have a favorite quote in these past <laughs> months, and it's been, stop for data to prove that we as a company have a problem. Society has a problem, so we have a problem. Could you please elaborate a bit more on that? <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, for me, um, I'm I'm on a rotation in a, a deep, that means so I'm doing like an internal internship uh, at uh, the diversity, equity, and inclusion team in our European, um, yeah, your EMEA wide uh, team, I should say, so Middle East and Africa as well, and um, I think it is quite, uh, I should say, for many companies in the past five years, it's been quite common to have people in, in HR uh, working on the topic of DEI specifically, because obviously people have realized, companies have realized that uh, there is an economic benefit to it. If you uh, serve a global market, if you serve global users around the world, you should reflect them also in your work force and your production chain, so to speak. And it's, so it's a driver for innovation. And if we talk about diversity, it's obviously not only the dimension of gender, it's the dimension of ethnicity, of age, of sexual orientation, of um, uh, able, uh, disableness or not ableness. And um, so there are a lot of um, dimensions here. And um, so I think this whole conversation has been coming from the economic perspective and the economic um, uh, benefits of it. And this quote I've heard was so great, especially coming from a data-driven company. And obviously there is there are all the companies that are shareholder value driven that are, you know, just, you know, are part of the general globalized uh, economy we are working in. The pressure is high. You are being evaluated either by your shareholders or by your market of growth at the end of the day. And growth is measure, measured very quantity, quantitatively in, in, in KPIs and in certain KPIs. So uh, and I found this uh, quote so amazing because it was this realization of um from the one spectrum, you hear people saying like, um, show me show me that it's worthwhile doing it. Show me the why. Prove to me that we have a problem. Look at my team. We don't have a problem about diversity. So why should I make it my problem? <laughs> and um, the statement I just enjoyed because it says it acknowledged how much a company, especially the ones very big in size, but even, I mean, if you have 5,000 employees, that's also quite big in size. So it doesn't have to be this huge, massive ones. You are a mirror of society. As soon as you have a crowd of people together, you mirror something that the entire society um, either struggles with or finds good. And, um, and this was what this quote about 
hey, we can ask for more research and we can ask for more proofs why we need to invest in diversity. You know what? We shouldn't wait for data. This is something we should have to do anyways, because not only we there's a sea full of proofs and research that it is important from an economic perspective, but from an economic perspective, it is, you know, 500 years ago, slavery was also a good idea. So, you know, and, and uh, taking the world apart is also a good idea. So I think we can be smarter than that and overcome that and support what is just the right thing to do. And that is if people here people who we have influence um, on, and that is in a crowd of people, meaning a company, is if somebody doesn't feel secure, included, not belonged, etc., that obviously also impacts um, his or her performance, then we should take care of that. <laughs> if there is a data point or not. So this is why I enjoyed this and um, yeah. Thank you so much. And it, it's so interesting because I remember having this um, communication with somebody with Zurich UK in England, the insurance company. And I don't know if you know, but they added recently six words to their um, job descriptions. And it was um, flexible work, job sharing and part time. And it made a huge difference in the number of applicants and not you know, like female as well as male and mm -hmm. entry level as well as um, senior level positions. But when I was talking to the gentleman, he had said to me, it took a long time to go and just start it. Because as you said, a lot of people were like, well, where is the data that proves that this is a good idea? And he said, at some point, we just had to go and say, okay, this is the right thing to do. And then as it proved in his case backwards, so to speak, it made a huge difference. But but so yeah, so thank you very much. That's such a, a great quote. And um, that's uh, music in my ear. So I would love to, yeah. if you share with me that research or if it's yes. even public, I would love to uh, yeah. read that and also share it in my, great, thank you. I will definitely do this. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and as we're talking, you know, I alluded to job sharing. When I first read about you, I was just so happy to see that you are a job sharing manager at Google. And so I was really curious to find out how did you first come across about job sharing? Mm -hmm. um, to tell you the truth, Karen, there was never a master plan um, that I would do job sharing, that I would go on part time, because obviously that's not... Uh, the way you imagine a career to go, right? We have very clear paradigms. We have very clear norms and ideals in our working and economy world. So uh, it was not part of my world. But um, as, uh, you know, uh, as the quote, God laughs whilst you are making plans, um, I had some, it was from a very personal perspective, I had some uh, exogenic shocks in my uh, in my life that made me rethink okay not about my career I even I dropped that thinking for a moment because I thought about okay what about life in general and um, I was I, I looked at my life and said okay the number one thing I'm I'm always complaining about and I hear most people around me in this first world uh, I'm living in complain about is oh I don't have time I don't have time for this I'm so rushed I'm so stressed and so I don't have time I wish I had more time then I would I should I blah 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 so from that perspective me being a few years back in a vulnerable situation plus thinking okay what is the what is where is a lever I can actually 
start to think about. And so all a very personal um, story here. Um, I said, okay, I think time is a variable I can look at because yeah, because I've been struggling with it and I've, I've been hearing about it. And um, and then uh, I also got pregnant and, and was on maternity leave and um, all of that concluded in, okay, Ellie, take all your braveness together, your courage, and why not try your 30 years old back then you have another, let me think, at least 40 years probably to work, whatever, however we define work. We, I'm sure we will talk about that. So why not try something else? Why not approach um, your employer with a, uh, a different kind of concept? And I thought about, you know, especially in Germany and, and, and the German-speaking uh, countries, working part-time is not completely off. Like, yeah, we, people do that. But as in people, I should say 99% women it's probably not completely right, but I think the number is 92% of women work in part-time Germany and only 8% men. So it's a completely stigmatized topic on women and of that a huge share of mothers, of course. And, um, and they mostly work between 70 and 80%. And I felt to myself, at least, if you do this, you have to go radical. Because otherwise you'll, you'll work 80% and um, get, get paid 80%, I mean, and work another 120%. So, so I felt like I needed this shift to an, a massive decrease. And um, yeah, so I, I talked to Google and they were like, oh, uh, we have not, you know, that, that was the first time they got that approach from a person on that level. And um, so it was not a direct yes and it was not a direct no it was a oof we have to talk about this so we had i had just many conversations to tell you the truth it's not like i ran into open doors but i didn't run into closed and at one point in these various conversations there fell the word job sharing i was like what is that what what sharing what <laughs> and um <laughs> And I, it triggered me. And I said, okay, how would that work? And said, so, yeah, it means that um, we, we haven't done it in, in EMEA. So that was a few years back. Uh, it means two people are working in part-time on one job that usually is performed by or fulfilled by one person on one headcount, so to speak. You share the headcount. And I said, well, that sounds interesting. I'm totally up to this. And then I just continued the many conversations I had. And it happened to be how the universe works that I found a person who said, you know what? I would like to decrease as well. And so I said, well, I love the job you're doing and I would love to apply on that. So we just, you know, then put our heads together, our hearts together also a little bit because you have to trust each other and said, okay, let's try. Let's give it a pitch. And um, they agreed and they agreed on with a testing phase and then, yeah, it worked out. And that with that, my first job sharing was born. And since then, my subline in uh, in my, my email, uh, how do you say my email signature, it yeah. says, um, life is short. And so is my work week. I work Monday through Wednesdays only. And in other cases, please contact my job sharing partner XYZ. I have to say, though, um, I did a switch job sharing partner once after two years, the person I work with left. So I got the opportunity to work alone, so to speak, in part time for half a year. And that was a completely different ball, ball game, completely different. Um, so working alone, um, never having the sounding board when you leave the office or try to, you know, I'm going to the playground now or doing something for myself. Then you see those emails coming in and <gasps> your pressure runs high again. So uh, that was completely different. And now this rotation I've, I've been, uh, I've been doing, um, I, I've been also working alone for the first month. So it's really interesting. It, I think flexibility are from all perspectives. Okay. It's not only the employer giving 
flexibility it's also uh, vice versa it just sounds so interesting and now like can you share to people who might be thinking wow job sharing i would really like to try this what was the thing that surprised you the most about job sharing well, that it existed, okay. what, what you could hear, I, I just didn't know about it. I felt like, wow, part-time is already stigmatized, but job sharing sounds super exotic. What is that? Will I lose, like, uh, will anyone take me serious still? Like this, like the, the stigma it had, the, st the stereotypes, so to speak. Um, what surprised me the most? The benefits surprised me the most. First, I thought it's like, okay, we'll share this job. We have the same OKRs and I trust you, you trust me. And, and okay, let's go. We're, we're a, a very close team, it felt mm -hmm. to me. But I, it was somehow, or it is, it was somehow different because I realized this inner, through a certain catharsis, obviously it's not like it's, it works from day one. No, that's fine. The activation energy in a, a job share might be higher than when you start running alone, but that's okay. It's, it's the long-term benefits you want to see, right? right? And, and um, realizing this catharsis of me internally and also the person I work with, moving from me to we, so to speak, and really feeling yourself as a... I consciously chose this, choose this word now, a resource for what you are supposed to do and not uh, how can I make myself visible? How, where, do, who do I have to write CC or what do I, this whole political game decreased a lot, which gave a lot of freedom also to really do the work, you know, part-timers are known anyways to be very productive, but also to, to use that sounding board, that constant coaching partner you have to feel like it's okay if I'm not at the table, your ego is being worked with. I, 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 that surprised me. It's like, no, my corporate ego, it's good that I have it, I, but it's also good not to have it when she fails or he fails a decision that I might not totally agree with. We talk about it, but still I'm behind it because this person, we are one team and yeah, so, so that's not a very clear answer, but it's those, those um, implicit maybe experiences that um, have surprised me the most. And, but that also brought the most benefits to it. It just sounds really fascinating. Now, I'm sure people are listening out here and thinking, I work for a big corporation mm -hmm. and job sharing has not been something that has been discussed. Now, you said you have had a lot of conversations initially mm. to make this happen. So for anybody out there, what would you give them as like tips on how do you best approach it? Are there any suggestions you have from your experience and what you have learned on, you know, trying to approach maybe HR and say, I would mm. love to do job sharing? Yeah, that's a tough one, um, obviously, because I know how uh, not only from my work at Google, but also from the other companies I, I get to look into. Um, it's about a bit of a you become also a bit of a advocate, like an, uh -huh. a, a loud voice for something that is in a dusty corner that nobody wants to look at. Um, <laughs> um, so you if you start talking about job sharing that is even more exotic than part-time in a system that doesn't even care about 
not care, but doesn't even have structures for part time, you have a hard time. Full stop. And I know um, you, your the crowd uh, that uh, that listens to your podcast is you know around many many countries, um, but especially in North America, um, it's it's just not common. And I would say in APAC neither because they, they see a necessity for it. It's, uh, I mean, I know the US a bit because I have family um, there and uh, I mean, two jobs is very common to have. Why should you even have half a job? Like that sounds like utopia, uh, socialist utopia maybe even. So, um, so, uh, so you become a bit of a, you have to be clear that you will not run only into open doors and but i think that is okay as long as as long as you have a bit of um stamina <laughs> and and um agree that with you doing that with you conf not only confronting people just talking about it having that dialogue and if the first no is a no it doesn't have to say that the second no is a no you're starting a dialogue um a reflection process for anyone and um, just being open that obviously the other side, whoever that is, has the freedom to express their needs and worries as well. And obviously in a system that is very well oiled, where that does not have room, it might take some time. And so um, this is, I think, the internal prep I would do because it's not about only getting your way, only getting your thought, only if I don't get this, I will go and, you know, to be on a like a war zone inside, but rather a, you know, an open, flexible, it's all about flexibility. So let, let that liquid communication come, maybe like this. So that that's the internal tip I would give. And the external one is... Um, well, just find your allies, talk a lot about it, make it a topic on many conversations you have, you know, especially in big corporations, you have performance cycles. So just if you would like, you know, to then have it in there, have it your standing position in there. Um, not only with HR, I mean, HR are sometimes those poor people are sometimes even more part of a system, right? Mm -hmm. Find mm -hmm. allies on, you know, the management level on um, it, with your manager, first of all, if it's not your manager who supports it, for whatever reason, then find other managers, find lookalikes, so to speak, find people who might be interested in it, um, just to talk about it and realize that this is not only about you, it is also about we as a society have to think about new ways of using our time anyways. This is something you're preparing yourself for, something bigger here anyways, especially, and I'm, I will not be tired of saying this, especially if we, people who might listen to this, have the privilege of having a job in a big corporation. And, and I think, if we never use this privilege, how will we ever be able to lobby for something bigger than just some nitty gritty exotic Ellie's and Karin, Karin's uh, walking about and talking in podcasts about it? So I think it, yeah, it, to remind that, I think it's, it's at least helps me a lot. Let's put it like that. <laughs> Thank you. This is so important. Now you are very involved in new work or the future of work, as some people call it and you are a sidepreneur. Could you share more about this? And also, what is your definition of work? I'm a bit hesitant because it's, uh, if people ask me, so who are you, please, aliens? I was like, I'm a lot. <laughs> uh, because I, I like to change my hats. That's part of my 
um, DNA, but also part of my life stage. Uh, ask me in five years again, and maybe it's different. So I think that's uh, that's fair. Um, well, but now there are many hats I'm wearing. So three days a week, I'm doing my corporate job, and I, I love that one. And the other four days a week, uh, which I love to say because I look at my week on a seven-day basis and not on a five-day basis. Um, I am partly a sidepreneur. Yes, I have a little um, business where I offer coaching, mentoring. Um, I do a lot of speakings. Uh, sometimes I write a bit and I have a thought-provoking salon here in Hamburg with a little podcast where I just speak to philosophers, historians, economists about the world and its challenges and its solutions. Um, and also sometimes, uh, you know, I'm a mother also, not to forget, of a six-year-old. There's also um, some things to do. I have a very big family. I have a relationship. I do like to spend time in my relationship as well. I have hobbies. So it's this well-rounded um, Ellie uh, that seems, uh, yeah, coherent to me. And part of that is my sidepreneurship. I, I got this um, this word two years ago or something. I found it really appealing because it's so entrepreneur on the side and um it, it raises some eyebrows let's put it like that but uh yeah so i'm not i'm not building this super duper startup on the side my exit strategy no i just like to have on the side a little business and 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 explore other things around me and yeah and if you talk about the future of work at least in my mind what i've learned over the past from my personal experience, but also from the many panels I've been to, the many discussions I had, the books I read, etc. It's like, let's talk about work, but then let's talk about all the work that makes a life not only worth living, but that makes the planet worth living and that makes us um, be socially just with each other and all of that. And not only about this one side paid work. I couldn't agree more with you, Ali. And thanks to Aviva Wittenberg-Cox's Forbes article, the latest thing that I have seen is that um, Unilever is having this new model of flexible work called um, U-Work, whereby they are realizing that um, multiple um, generations are basically interested in flexible work, whether that is somebody younger wanting to do a side hustle, somebody who is a parent or somebody older who might be wanting to ease in more into um, retirement and not do, you know, from going 100% to nothing. And so their um, model is basically that they have, I guess, a, a basis income. And then based on the um, flexibility or, you know, work availability, then they put together a, you know, I guess a work schedule or a project-based um, um, schedule. And that's something they started, I guess, last year in England and are rolling it out now into um, five countries. And to me, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Unilever fan because they've done job sharing for a long time. And, um, you know, it was just an article that came out um, a couple of days ago. And so to me, it's, it's, it's just great to see more and more discussions and ideas on how can we, to your point, look at the whole aspect of work. And um, I'm a big proponent of looking at transferable skills from unpaid care work or volunteering. And I feel that that is so undervalued. And because it is undervalued, it then also um, reduces, in my mind, um, the, the business confidence of 
women often, but in general, anybody who does that. And when they try and come back, if they get perceived to be, well, this person has taken a career gap, when in reality, it is a practical course of soft skills, which the World Economic Forum actually right, sees as important skills to be had. And more and more, the emphasis becomes on these skills. So has to because machines take any hard skills over anyways, but in a much better way than we can do it. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I don't know. It's like, I always try to find new ways or more arguments to, mm. you know, tell people or explain why that is so critical. I loved, I, I didn't hear about it. I love what mm. you just described. I did read the article that you sent um, previously mm -hmm. through and um, I mean, it also acknowledges the part that a company plays in a society in general. It's like we do value if someone takes off time to serve the direct society we are a player of. And um, I remember that, that um, Microsoft did in 2019, I think, the four-day uh, four um, week experiment, which I found more interesting than, than the idea itself. So they're experimenting something in Japan. And I, I remember reading in some article, I didn't read it everywhere, but uh, that they said, well, and they also, um, let's say not suggested, but invited people, gave them ideas and inspiration, what to do with their free day, which is sad on one one side, right, if you have to suggest that. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, there are some volunteer works here to do, there's uh, this to do, there's, you know, um, did you think about your grandparents, like a list of, I never saw that list, but this is what I'm anticipating it was, to acknowledge like we are part of a community of real people. We're not only producing stuff for somewhere and somewhere and somewhere along a production chain. No, we acknowledge that you are real people with our um, community having real needs. And uh, yeah, I really like that. And what I loved about what you just said is also that it acknowledges the fact of um, this age uh, perspective, especially um, since, and this I read with Rutger Bretmann in his um, uh, um, Utopia for Realists, he said it so nice, like job sharing is something that is so, so important for the future of work because it's especially combining those skills and competencies of the ones who are super skilled uh, or in super experienced, I should say, and the ones who are in the rush hour of um, their life anyway. So the ones are totally stressed out, like my age, so to speak. And the other ones feel like, oh my God, I'm approaching, I don't even know what to do. Who will I talk to? What can I share? What can I contribute? Self-effectiveness, the feeling of contributing, etc. And perfect to merge that, especially when the time comes when half of the jobs will fall away anyways because of um, uh, because of automation, etc. So it's a, uh, it sounds like a great trial Unilever is doing there and being ready for the future, literally, instead of trying to juggle office or home office. I'm really tired about uh, hearing people saying, well, this is now new work and the future of work since we're home office and you can come to the office today. It's like, no, this is a location strategy. This has nothing to do with the future of work, literally speaking, like the future, the real future for this world and its work. So again, this brings me, I, I try always to come back. It's like, okay, if we want to talk about not only the future of work, it's really the presence of work and it's the presence of 
our economy and what we incentivize and how we um, uh, measure value created, right, by merely quantitative output. This is bringing the planet to fall and we are on the verge of, at least in the uh, in most parts of the world, especially in the in the first world, uh, bringing uh, people down as well. Look at the high burnout rates and the high uh, ADHD and all of that uh, that comes together, the psychological problems we have. So it's not like anyone is benefiting from the idea of uh, putting people under more pressure and um, br bringing in more time in a world that is so digitalized. I mean, what did digitalization promise us? To have more ease? No, our calendars are fuller than ever, so. Well, thank you so much, because I, like, you know, one of my guests, um, Alex Suyang Kim Peng, he wrote the book Shorter and Rest, and he, just exactly what you said. At the end of the day, working fewer hours actually gives people more time to be more creative and to really think about things. And to your point, it reduces the burnout. So in the long run, it has many um, positive effects. But I think one has to, you know, sometimes people like to see maybe more data. Again, you know, <laughs> I promise you, we have all the data in the world. And I know the number one problem we have is the word long-term, you said. We are never, all these big corporations, most of us, if you're not part of a you know, startup that is completely green and all of that, we are valued as countries, GDP, on short-term turnaround. So we, th this impact we are referring to, this long-term you know, benefit of a... It, it will always lose in the certain in this in this current systemic structures we're working in. So that is at least uh, my take at, at the moment from it, which is a bit frustrating and uh, disillusioning. But at the end of the day, it's also like, yeah, we need to talk about the structural things. I'm I'm a bit tired, I have to be honest, to being, you know, um, uh, asked to talk about my experience and all of that, because it's like I'm an individual. I found an individual solutions, but this is no, I don't want to convey individual solutions anymore. We need to have structural solutions because we have freaking structural problem yeah no i and that's why i so appreciate having you here and share with people you you know mm -hmm. your experience but then magnifying it on a bigger scale and you know i was um looking at um a post you recently made about the experience you've recently had in um uh, your new position and there was this great worksheet from the racial equity trainer, Tema Okun. And so the one, um, I looked at the different points and one of them I thought was so important. And you mentioned it is like to look at the holistic view of people versus just the title and that people's experiences and skills really um, are so beyond their job title. And I feel, we need to really look at that on a maybe like look at more at skills as a whole rather than at titles. And I think that would then also help to your you know point, like allowing the whole person, the skills they have learned anywhere in their work, whether that is unpaid work or volunteering to come and, and move society forward. 
it, because it really allows everybody to, you know, put their best foot forward. But I just feel we need to talk more about it. We need to have more advocates and um, yeah. And to put it on a, on a bigger scale and maybe I'm too idealistic, but that's no, I it needs that idealism also. And, and um, no, 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 it needs that internal uh, motivation. I think uh, uh, to be an advocate for it. I, I, I would add to your list though. It needs may, way more role models, way more role models. If, if, if this stays a stigma of um, I, I will use it again as a symbol, some currents and some Ellie's running around and talking about, about it we need like major c-level people who decrease their work hours to say and and you know what i would love to hear it's just i will try it i will experiment it's not about this is what i'm doing and forever and this is the best thing no let's learn together about this i mean it's also part of of uh of the world economic skills uh, of the future lifelong learning and also sharing that um empathy and vulnerability of what worked and what didn't and that's totally fine if it didn't work for your or your life stage so it's not like working flexible is the solution for everything no but it's going acknowledging we have to change something and going on away and using one lever that seems highly underestimated now at especially on at big companies and hardly anyone is using it and anyone is is, is seeing also their privilege of being able to use it and from that i um if i if more people with that privilege and i'm talking it out here the financial privilege also to say i will step back not from a need also from a demand from a from a need uh, because I have to do a care about no because I can huge privilege but then again be aware this is your this is very important and I would love to see more men and especially on higher levels um, uh, to do that and to realize all the and to share to share all the benefits and maybe not that they experience and and I so appreciate that because I feel until it is all equal, we need more, especially men as role models of flexible work, of publicly talking about the care work they are doing. And so every time somebody does that, I make sure to, you know, further, um, you know, mention this and broadcast it. And sometimes people say, well, so many women step down to say, um, enable their respective partner to have um, more time to do work. And I'm saying until it is equal, we have to emphasize male role models because there are so many junior male professionals who might simply be too scared to ask to have an extended paternal leave or to ask to do part-time work job sharing. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. you know, one of... I think even more senior ones yeah, are, yeah, yeah. you know, they then have, uh, I don't know, more houses or whatnot, uh, where they think I can pay my mortgage. But at the end of the day, that's uh, not only the point. It's like, I think it's it's uh, throughout. Um, but I mean, Im just, I love this word, imagine a world where every job would be shared in a company. How much broader well-informed decision would we fail? Yeah. How much more have those people who fail those decisions have slept just on that basis, just on that basis, how much more, whatever, they will come from better relationships, they will be emotionally, mentally, um, uh, physically more fit, 
and they will have way more perspectives. Yeah. We are having now diversity teams who try to, you know, work in uh, diversity and we have diversity consultants to bring a more representative view of markets. I mean, we hire people to do that. We have you have it if you would more share and more, you know, ch share responsibility and jobs and and step down a bit of of those long established C levels we have in so many directions like that would be the perfect way in by the way in politicians as well in in the economy to have also the the predecessor discussion oh my god all those politicians it would be all solved because you know oh okay the one i'm i'm learning from someone younger and vice versa yeah. so um I, i think this imagining how a world would look obviously that's utopia but utopian images help us to to, to move. start stepping and move <laughs> right and like you know um one example i I interviewed um, um, Ian Shepard in England. And so he's job sharing and he doesn't have care work. He's doing it because he feels he actually does a better job because he feels happier. He feels that because of the ability to exchange opinions, to have a sounding board, he feels he can make better decisions. And he actually said he is- What a smart person. Right. And he's actually, you know, leading a team of nearly 200 people in a job sharing um, capacity. And what he also acknowledged, he said he likely is going to work longer and his retirement is going to be later because of the fact that he is working uh, job sharing. But, you know, I always look at it. Sometimes people think, oh, I'm going to retire at whatever, 65, 70, and then I do X, Y, Z. Well, how are they... Uh, able you know what if from a health perspective they simply will not able to do this or who knows what might happen i feel you know you have one life you might as well you know use it and use your skills and like you know do so many different things yeah so well and that so uh what you just shared and um that's the personal perspective and the personal view so from a human perspective but also that combined with how the world is moving, how it's changing, how the working world is moving, the demands of the working world, the automation where many jobs are falling away, uh, the big uh, prosperity scissors that is growing and growing and growing, uh, the climate crisis. Compared with that, it's a necessity from all perspectives, but obviously too many decision makers in political and uh, economic spheres are bound to think more short term and and that that's so to speak the game so i'm hoping that those conversations especially on like the future of work and hoping to have it more holistically and but starting very so talk about holistically understand it reflect on it but then be very practical and a practical first step is surely starting to make flexible work the new norm because then you you reach completely different people as you said you people um uh, maybe like a um how do you say a part part-time parent <laughs> what am i saying a uh, single parent mm -hmm. uh, would more likely even even file in an application at a company where they like google or a big insurance where they would feel way too intimidated because they know it's such a hard working machine and it's all about performance and it truly is about performance but i just have 50 uh, like 50 percent of the time and if they would see wow i can 
actually given my application you would get completely different people also exactly so it's not only about gender and also you would get different people yeah. and so yeah and you're absolutely right it would make a much more diverse uh yeah um, workforce and that's what i feel you know as my background and advocacy is for professionals returning back to paid work i truly believe there is so much potential lost as well as um, you know, a different experience that could lead to a more diverse workforce and therefore to more innovation, to more creative problem solving. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I could talk with you forever about this, Ellie, but is there anything we haven't talked about that you would like our listeners to know? I think we, we covered a lot. I, the only thing I, I would say is we did a lot of... Um, uh, this was not a hugely critical conversation we had. So obviously this was, we are both preaching to the, through the converted, yes. um, uh, which is fine, which inspires hopefully people as well. Um, and I think what we are both and, and the people who talk about this, it's important. We acknowledge this is not the solution to everything. This is not about saying this is like the number one and then the world will be fine. No, but it's a, a very, very critical um, segue and lever that hardly anyone uses. So if you go down that route um, of thinking about it, if you have the privilege to think about yes. it, then please, it's not only about your own life. It is something you're doing also, not, not only for your children. I don't want to be too moral, but it is a bigger cause here because you're practicing something we might have to do in 10 years anyways. And so it's actually, um, yeah, inviting the, the life and world more into into uh, yeah going into the right direction and not only solving a single problem i think that is my last words <laughs> thank you so much ellie now where can people find you well i'm on on linkedin and on instagram and i have also an, an english uh, website where i just you know put all my interviews in i will put yours in as well this is um, ellieoldenburg.com Thank you very, very much, Ali. It was such a fascinating conversation. And I really, really appreciate that you were my guest. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.